Welcome to the Central Christian Church Podcast. We pray this message helps you find and follow Jesus. If you would like to connect with us more, please visit us at centralsj.org. Hey, have you ever wondered why bad things still happen to good people? Have you ever wondered why a a, a loving God who's almighty and all-powerful would still allow cancer to settle into the hearts and lives of people that really love him? Uh, Why why does childhood cancer still exist? Why why is there death and suffering in our world? Have you ever wondered why our, our earth, our world is so broken? Like, why are there earthquakes? Why are there tornadoes? Why natural disasters? Like, if God's in charge of it all, then why? Uh, I'm sure like you, I've, I know I have asked those questions. I'm guessing perhaps you have as well. And today, as we jump into Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, uh, we're going to get some biblical understanding of why all those things still exist in our world. So if you have your Bible, I invite you to turn there to Romans chapter 5 and, and verse 12. Before we dive into our, our text, though, uh, a couple of things I want to encourage you with. Uh, if you've been around a while, perhaps you've heard me say, uh, man, give us a year of your life and God will change your life. And, uh, and if, if you're new, this is maybe your first time, let me just extend an invitation to you. Uh, give us a year of your life and my promise is that God will change your life. Uh, not because we're that good, but because God's that good. And, uh, and you just go on this journey with us consistently. Show up. Just show up in this place. Uh, worship together. Sit under the, the teaching of God's word. Connect with some people. Drink some hot coffee and, and hang out with us. And I just guarantee over a year, God's going to change your life and, and take some next steps. And one of those next steps I would encourage you to take that I think is pivotal in our walk with Jesus is doing life in community with people. And so in this season, we're, 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 we're taking some next steps and, and launching some groups. And so there's a variety of groups for you to join. But I encourage you to check those out, man. And, uh, and don't do life alone. Uh, the Bible says this in Hebrew. It says, 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 don't forsake the gathering together as some people do. Like some people do. Like they say, ah, oh, man, I go like maybe once a month and I think that's pretty good. Or I mean, I fit, whatever the number is. I would just say as much as it depends on you, be consistent. And the Bible says this in that same passage. It says all the more. As you see, see his, his, the end coming, you see his return drawing near. Like, like the, the closer the return of Christ comes, the easier it is to be, be able to live in isolation. And the enemy would love it so. would love for you to live in isolation. God wants you to be in community because just like we see on, on Discovery Channel, man, when, when, when the, the little hy- the, the hyenas come in, like try to separate the gazelle, right? And then what? Lunchtime. Same is true for us. You're welcome. All right. There we go. All right. Well, let's... Let's jump in here. I would invite you to take some notes today, not because the message is all that great, but because uh, the content is a little bit more technical. Uh, it's kind of deep into the pool content, and so uh, something to look back on and, and maybe chew on a little bit later as we, we actually study this doctrine that would be labeled original, original sin. A couple words I want to highlight before we get to our text, though. Three words. Uh, the first word we're going to see in this verse is therefore. And anytime we see the word therefore, what we got to do? We got to go back and see what it's there for. And so as we rewind the tape a little bit to just uh, two verses, to Romans 5.10, we studied this last week. It says this. It says, for if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled, we were made friends with God, we could say. We were brought to the same point. If when we were enemies with God, we became friends with God, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? We could literally translate this not just through his life, but in his life. 
Whenever someone is, is experienced salvation, when someone's been rescued, when someone's been, been transformed from, from enemies of God to friends with God, their, their life is now hidden with Christ in God, the Bible says in Colossians 3.3. 3. We're in Christ. We're in Christ. So, so from God's vantage point, what happened to Christ has now happened to you. We've identified with him on that on that level. We see an example of this, Galatians 2.20. Paul says this. He says, I am crucified with Christ. Now, time out. Like, was Paul literally hanging on the cross with Christ? Were you literally hanging on the cross with Christ? No. But you're in Christ. And so what's true of Christ, what Christ has done, has now been credited to your account. So your account balance can be brought to zero. Another example is Ephesians 2, 5 through 6. So God's done this for us. When we were dead in our trans our trespasses. In other words, we're dead, unable, spiritually unable to respond to God. In that spiritual condition, God made us alive with Christ. We were once spiritually dead, but now we're made alive. How? Because we're in Christ. When Christ was raised to life, you were raised to life. When Christ was crucified, it's as if you were crucified. When Christ ascended, it's as if you ascended. One of the reasons every time we, we do baptisms here, whenever I, I baptize someone, I always say, hey, have you made Jesus a leader in the forgiver life? Yep, awesome. Then I say this, whenever they go into the water, whether they're out of the water, I say, say, you've been buried with Christ, boom, buried with him, identifying with him as death and raised to walk new life, identifying with him in his resurrection. The baptism, beautiful Beautiful, vivid demonstration of where we are positionally in Christ. We have been buried with Christ. We have been raised to walk in new life. And little sidebar footnote, if you have not been baptized, let me just strongly encourage you. It is your best next step. Like more important than anything else on the calendar this week is for you to go public with your faith and get baptized. Identify with Jesus in his death, his burial, and resurrection. Uh, next week, we're going to be having baptisms. We've got some folks ready to get baptized. You can join in with that. Uh, we'll be, be excited, right? Central family will be excited to celebrate some life change, what God's doing here. It's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. So next week, man, you, there's a card in the seat back. You can fill that out, and we'll follow up to you, get you some details on that. So, so we're, in, we're in Christ. We've been made alive with Christ, been raised up with him. And not only that, but when, when, when Jesus was crucified as if we were crucified, when he rose from the dead as if we rose from the dead, not only that, but, but when he ascended into heaven, like we're in him, remember? So now we're seated with him in heavenly places. How is that possible? Well, I, my little brain is kind of hard for it to comprehend, but I do know this. It's at the root of it is because we're in Christ Jesus. You're in him. Like, like, take heart. Like, if you're a follower of Jesus, that's how secure you are in Christ. Like, you're in him. From God's vantage point, it's already, already done. And all that's yours at the moment of salvation. That's reconciliation. Once enemies of God, now, now brought together with God. Reconciled, brought to the exact same point. And one day, this reality will not only be realized theologically, it'll be realized physically and experientially. Another word we're going to see is one, one, this one. It's going to be repeated 11 times over these next few verses, one. And Paul's going to draw a distinction how one man's sin, Adam's sin, resulted in the fall of all humanity, one man's actions devastating. He's going to highlight how another one man, Christ Jesus, one act results in life and peace for, for a new regime, a, a new reign. Of, of humanity. One man. We're going to see that repeated. Uh, Acts 17. Uh, you know, for us as followers of Jesus, a, a theological understanding of, 
of, of who God is and how we're created and where we come from leads us to this place where like racism for sure should be far, 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 far from our equation because we, we all basically our root, our lineage all stems back to one man. One woman, Adam and Eve. And that's what the Bible says, Acts uh, chapter 17, verse 26. It says, from one man, look at this, every nation of men, Americans, Filipinos, uh, Hispanics, Africans, all of us, all of our lineage stems back to, to one man. From one man, he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined, watch this, the times set for them and the exact place where they should live. It might be a surprise to some of you that you live in San Jose, but it's not a surprise to God. Like, it might be a surprise, like, God, why am I alive in 2023? It feels like the sky is falling. He set the times for you. He picked you out of everyone else in the history of humanity that's ever scratched this ball of dirt we call earth. He chose you for this space. He chose you for this time. He chose you for right here. He chose you for right now. He predetermined it. He chose you. We take heart in that. But all that started from one man. He made every nation of men. Another word we're going to see repeated five times is reign. From one man, Adam, comes this reign of sin and death. From this other man, Christ Jesus, and his actions comes a new reign, a new covenant, a new era, a new kingdom, a reign of life and peace. We see that repeated. All right, well, with that as somewhat of a backdrop, let's, let's dive into our verse today. We're just going to look at one verse, because I heard there's a football game, so we're going to... But I, they were like, you got to hurry, because it starts at noon, and I double-checked. It doesn't start till 3.30, so we got, we got some time. All right, why don't you stand to your feet with me? We're going to read God's Word together. All right, in honor of God's Word, here it is, Romans 5.12, our verse for the day. Therefore, we talked about that. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. This is the word of the Lord to you and to me today. Father, we pray that you would speak to your church today, that you would make your word come alive, that we would understand, God, man, some of our deepest heartaches stem from what we're going to talk about today. A lot of brokenness in our world today, Father. Help us to gain understanding of why and how you plan to set it all right. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. You can have a seat. So we're going to look at, uh, we're going to break this verse down into three different parts. And those three parts are going to frame up our three points. Here's the first part. If you're, uh, first point, if you're taking notes, uh, this is where they begin. The first point is this, that sin entered the world through one man, one man, Romans 5, 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man. So when says, someone says, well, why is the world the way it is? Well, sin entered the world through one man. Why is there death in the world? Sin into the world through, through one man. Why is this body broken? Why do I experience pain? Sin came into the world through, through one man. Why does life just seem so hard at every turn? Because sin came into the world through one man. Why did the Cincinnati Bengals exist? Sin came into the world through one man. I'm joking, but, but, but here, here's where we need to settle in our heart. God is good and God does good. 
And so if you experience something good in life, it's a gift from God. It's a direct result of God. We need to settle it in our heart. God is good. God does only good. James would say it this way. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above, Father of heavenly lights. He doesn't change like shadows. Like he's consistent. He's steadfast. He is good. He does only good. So if you experience evil, if you experience suffering, you experience harm, you experience heartache, you need to know it's a result of sin. You need to know it's a result of, of your great enemy, the devil. You need to know it's perhaps a result of our own dumb choices. But, but, but let's not blame God for something that he's not responsible for. God is good and God does only good. So how did sin enter our world? That's a good question. And thankfully, the Bible lays that out for us. Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3 talk about this. Let's go there. Genesis chapter 1, uh, verse 27 says this. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule. First assignment leadership. First assignment, rulership. Adam and Eve, this is your kingdom. Adam and Eve, you, you, you're to rule over this. You're to govern over it. Do so, do so diligently. Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over every living creature that moves on the ground. Genesis chapter 2, 15 says this, the Lord God took man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to care for it. And the Lord God commanded him, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, any tree, it's all yours, but one tree, just one, you must not eat the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Why is that so important? For when you eat it, you will certainly die. It's important for us to realize from the beginning of time to this time and space right here, right now, every command that God has ever given is for your good. It's for your protection. The enemy wants to lie, wants to make you feel like you're going to miss out unless you indulge in that or this. But listen, every command God's ever given is for your good. It's for your, for your protection. The same is true here. Very straightforward. Not a lot of ambiguity here. Not a lot of gray area. You can, you can explore all you want. You can eat all you want. You, you can, all the trees yours, you're, you're to rule and reign. Like you have authority here. But one tree. Don't do it. If you do, you will die. Now, why one tree? I, I would just submit, I think it's just because it's the only way that Adam and Eve would show their submission to God. Like, like God's the ultimate authority. They're, they have all, all other authority is theirs. Like, like they, can, they can rule, they can reign. Like that's their, that's their assignment. But just the one way that they can show they're in submission to God is don't eat from one tree. That's it. Pretty, pretty straightforward. Just one. Not restrictive, very generous. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 through 6. Now the serpent was more crafty than all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. Now it's important for us to just to remember a little bit of background of your great enemy, the devil. Uh, John 10, 10 says that he was a thief from the beginning, not, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. He'd go on and say this, and his whole goal is to steal, kill, and destroy. Like that's his purpose. Like that's his M.O. Well, I don't know what's on your agenda this week, but your enemy's ad agenda for your life is to steal, take what's yours. It's to kill, to bring death into relationships, to bring death into your circumstances and to destroy the good things of God in your life. That's his purpose. He would say this in John 8, 44, he was a murderer 
from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language because he's a liar and the father of lies. Your enemy, he invented lying. Like he came up with it. He's been doing it from the beginning. Like he's very, very good at it. And so he presents things in a way that seems very appealing, but ultimately only lead to our destruction. He's been destroying, manipulating, perverting, twisting truth from day one. So the, now the serpent was more crafty than all the other wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say that? Did, did, God, did God really say that? Like, hey, Eve, I thought, I thought he said you had all authority. Like, so help me understand why you can't eat this. I thought he said you were in charge, Eve. Like, did God really say that? Like, like let's think about this. Hey, hey, like, are you really going to let a, a book that's centuries old give instruction to your life? Like, are you still believing that? Like, I thought God wanted you to be happy. And if this would make you happy, then why not just go for it? Like, ultimately, you being happy would make God happy. So, so I, did God really say that? Is that still true for today? Like, you're still living that way in 2023? How narrow-minded are you? Like, did God really say that? Is that, I mean, that was true then, but is it, I don't know. Like, is, from the very beginning, Satan's tried to destroy good things God created. He always tries to undermine, twist. You know, hey, Eve, I thought you were in charge. Maybe, maybe not. Why not this fruit? How narrow-minded is God? How restrictive is God? And it would make you happy. Why not go for it? I'm just saying that the same lies that he tells you, the same lies that he tells me, are as old as Genesis chapter 3. And the reason he keeps telling the same lies is because we keep falling for him. Otherwise, he'd come up with a new one. But we're just like, you know what? Maybe God didn't really say that. Here I go. <laughs> right? And, and when we do, you know this from personal experience. We experience death in those moments. We, we sin. We fall short. We experience shame, guilt, all those things that Adam and Eve were going to see experience. So he said to the woman, did God really say that? You must not eat from any tree in the garden. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from any tree in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat from the tree in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. <laughs> you, you will not certainly die. Like God's lying to you. Like he just, he just wants all power for himself and he just doesn't want you to have any of it. So like, Let's just, let's just be clear on that. That's, that's what the enemy says. For God knows when you eat it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. He's like, hey, God's holding you back. There's more for your life. This, this, would, this would check all your boxes. This is, this is a big deal. And he says this, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eyes and also desirable for gaining knowledge. So it checked all her boxes. Like, it's like, yeah, 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 this is good. Check, yep, yep, check, yep, 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 looks real good. She took it and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. And with that, you have the fall of mankind. With that, you have sin entering into our world. Adam had one command, don't eat from that tree. It's a sign that you're going to live in submission to the ultimate authority, to, to my authority, just one thing I'm asking to do. And in that, that one moment when he couldn't do that one thing, something horrible, 
something devastating, something cataclysmic happened not only to our humanity, but happened to our world in that moment. The choice introduced something to humanity that is beyond our ability to comprehend the scope of its devastating effects. Now back to Romans 5.12. Just as sin came into the world through one man, one man. Notice how Paul writes this. It's very instructive for us. When, when Adam sinned, sin entered into our world. We, we could read this as sin invaded our world. Sin, sin came rushing in. Sin, sin, sin began to reign, he's going to say in Romans 5.21. And once man was ruling in the image of God, now a new regime, a new era, a new reign happened. And it's the reign of sin and it's the reign of of death. Sin isn't just something bad I do, although that is sin. We talked about this last week. If that's the target and I shoot at the target and I miss or I fall short, that's, that's sin. But sin's much bigger than me just making a mistake. Sin, sin's like a force. Sin, sin enters. Sin invades. Sin permeates. Sin, sin, sin dominates. Sin tries to control. Sin is powerful. Sin is deadly. And how'd that happen? Well, sin came into the world through one man. One man's choices impacted generations, generations to come. Sin is so powerful. Sin is so devastating. Not only does it impact our humanity, not only did it impact Adam and Eve, it impacted our world. Uh, Paul's going to say this in Romans chapter 8. It says, creation groans with eager expectation, longing to be liberated from bondage and decay. Like, like creation's trying to function in its created design, but it's broken, it's frustrated, it's longing to be liberated. And one day, the Bible says that God's going to create a new heaven and a new earth, and everything's going to be restored to its original design, its original created order. But right now, we live in a broken world where there is earthquakes, where there is flooding, where there is natural disaster that takes life. Creation, creation longs to be liberated from it. But all that happened because sin came rushing in. God told them, hey, if you eat it, death is going to happen. They didn't understand the scope of it. But we currently experience it. Yes, creation is beautiful. Yes, something about a sunset over the ocean is awe-inspiring. When we think about the billions of stars that are, are so ginormous compared to our little ball we call Earth, when we think about, about the billions of galaxies, billions of light years away, when we think about the grandeur of creation, it all points to the creator, and it's awesome, and it's wonderful, but it's far less than what God originally intended. And all that's because sin invaded our creation. The second point, not only did sin enter the world through one man, but now death entered the world through sin. Death entered the world through sin, Romans 5.12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and as a result of sin, now death through sin. This is why the seeds of death are in all of us, because one man sinned. This is why Things are broken. On one hand, this is shocking. On the other hand, God told Adam what would happen. Let's look at it again. Genesis chapter 2, verse 17. But from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. In the day that you eat it, you shall surely die. This teaches us a couple of things. It not only does it teach us how death entered our world, but it instructs us that Adam and Eve were never 
intended to die. Like they, they were to reign, they were to rule, they were to live in community, in fellowship with God, unhindered by sin forever. Therefore, death is unnatural. You were never created to die. Your body was never created to wear out, to break down. That's not how God designed our world. Sickness, disease, surgery, dementia, loss of bodily functions, like death was never God's original design. None of that is how God intended it. All of that is a result of the fall. All of that's the result of sin entering, sin invading our world. It goes on to say that, that in that day, you will surely die. And so as soon as Adam and Eve ate of the fruit, did they like drop dead? No. Like they went on and lived for decades after this moment. So how did they die? I would suggest that they got a taste of spiritual death, spiritual separation from God. Here, here comes God in the cool of the day, the Bible says. It says, Adam, where are you? And Adam's like, I'm naked. Like, I feel shame. I don't feel like I can talk to you right now. And God's like, did you, you ate from the tree? And I was like, yeah, but wait, it was the woman you gave me. It was her fault. And all of a sudden we start making excuses for our sin in our humanity. And what did Eve say? It wasn't my fault. It was the serpent. It's his fault. Shame, guilt. Excuses, separation, all a part of experiencing spiritual, spiritual death and separation from God. We could, we could say death has three types. There's three types of death or three phases of death that are all a result of sin, of one man's sin. Uh, first in your notes is physical death. We could define physical death as separation from those living on earth. And we've all experienced this, and it's tragic and heart-wrenching. Second, there's spiritual death, which we could call separation from God. And just as a physical body that's dead is incapable of interacting with the living here on earth, so too is the spiritual dead person, incapable of interacting with God, incapable of having relationship, walking in community, walking in fellowship with God. At the moment, Adam and Eve ate the fruit. They died spiritually, spiritually separated from God. The relationship was never the same. Now, that's not to say that God doesn't reach out to people who are spiritually dead. If he didn't, how else could we become spiritually alive? God does. But, but there's a distinction between people here on earth who are currently spiritually dead and people here on earth that are currently spiritually alive alive in Christ. That's why, why the standards for followers of Jesus are so much higher because you have the spirit of the living God in you. Something I've been chewing on in 1 Corinthians, Paul talks to the church and he says, whenever you behave this way, aren't you acting like mere humans? I'm like, well, wait a minute, I am. <laughs> but he's like, no, 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 no. You're called to, to live a, a, to a higher standard because you're not spiritually dead anymore. You're spiritually alive in me. So live like you're alive in me is what Paul's saying there. Spiritually dead. Ephesians 2, 1 through 2 says, as for you, you were dead, unable to interact with God, unable to reach out to God. You were dead in your transgressions and sin in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. So if you're a follower of Jesus, all that means is that you are once spiritually dead, but now you're a person who by God's grace has come spiritually alive in him. 
And our heart breaks for those brothers and sisters around us who have not yet experienced this reality. The third type of death, eternal death. We could define this as separation from the living and from God forever. Now, for obvious reasons, this is not a popular doctrine in our day. Uh, For obvious reasons, this isn't a popular teaching in, in our day. Even pastors you know, would say, maybe this isn't true anymore. But, but I would just submit to you, you cannot take an honest look at scripture and study of God's word and come to any other conclusion that as a result of the fall, eternal death is now possible for humanity. Separation from God, separation from living forever. The Bible calls it a place called, called hell. But you would also need to know that it was not created for you. God created hell not for humanity. Let's look at it. Why did God create hell then? Well, Matthew 25, 41 says this, says that that hell, eternal death, was was created for the devil and his angels. Now, here's what I want you to think about. If if the devil, if hell was created for the devil, who is a murderer from the beginning, who is from the beginning, since he he fell, from the beginning of mankind, from, from the Garden of Eden, he's been wreaking havoc on humanity. All death, all rape, all, 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 all bad things, all destruction are, are his main agenda. What kind of place would be appropriate punishment for somebody like that? It's awful and intentionally so. It was not created for you. It was created for the devil and his angels. Here's my point, though. Hell was never intended to be a place for people we love. It was never intended to be a place for you to go. It was created for the devil and his angels. God has done everything he can to make sure that you, that me, that, that people we love don't experience this. He's given us creation. When we look at the, the creation, we say, wow, God, you're so big. Psalm 19 says that, that, that the heavens declare the glory of God. Like they're constantly talking to us. The creative designs telling you, God's big. He's awesome. He's worthy. Seek him. And whenever we turn our hearts to him and say, God, you, there's a very clear order and a very clear creative design. There must be a designer. God, who are you? I want to know you. And not only that, but he sent his son Jesus to die a death that I deserve that you deserve. And the Bible says on the cross, your, your sin was nailed there so that now you don't have to pay the penalty in eternal death because, because he was willing to sacrifice his one and only son on your behalf. Not only that, but he's given us the Holy Spirit. And, and even now for people that are spiritually dead, even now for people in this room that not even sure where they land on all this, the Spirit's working in your heart saying, come to me. I don't want you to experience this. This, The hell was not created for you. It was created for the devil and his angels. It's not a place for you. But I long for relationship with you, so you got to turn to me. He's done everything he can to ensure that you don't experience this. And like some of you, I've had friends that say, well, man, I don't think hell's going to be all bad. Like, all my my boys are there. Like, all my buddies are there. Like, hell's going to be a party. You've heard that, right? I had friends that say that. That's a statement of extreme ignorance. Here's what Jesus said about hell, Matthew 22, 13. 
he says, says it's going to be a place of outer darkness. Like you think about there's, you're isolated, alone, forever. You can't see anything. The light of God's goodness, what we currently experience, thanks to God's common grace, relationships, community, light, removed, separated from God for all eternity. A place of outer darkness, a place where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth like a place of anguish. Man, I remember when God was reaching out to me. I remember when I felt like the Holy Spirit was talking to me. And man, I wish I would have turned. For all of eternity, you live with that regret. Now, like extreme emotional sorrow. Gnashing of teeth. I don't know if you've gnashed your teeth or even know what that phrase is, but I ruptured my Achilles when I first got here to Central. And, and man, I remember after I ruptured my Achilles, just like, it hurts. That's gnashing your teeth. And that's hell, outer darkness, isolated alone. Solitary confinement's punishment for a reason. You were created to do life together. It's part of the goodness of God in our created order. But hell's going to be a place removed of that, a place of weeping, gnashing of teeth. And the Bible has a whole lot to say about hell, and you can study that. This is just one verse, but I'm just here to tell you none of it's good. None of it sounds like a party. None of it sounds like hanging out with the boys. It's separated from God for all of eternity. And and you just need to know it's intentionally that way because it wasn't created for you. It was created for the devil and his angels. So far, we've learned that sin entered the world through one man. We learned that as a result of sin entered our world, death entered our world through sin. And then third and final point is this, all people die because all sinned. Romans 5.12, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. Sinned, past tense. It's critical for us to understand this. Notice it doesn't say that that, 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 uh, we die because we got a sin nature, although that would be true. Notice it doesn't say that we, we die because we became sinful people, although if we live long enough, that would be true. Notice it says that death spread to all men because all, all sinned, past tense. When Adam sinned, all mankind was corrupted by sin. Every human that came from Adam and Eve, that's you, that's me, therefore all their offspring, all of us, experience the curse of sin And that's why all die. The seeds of sin, the seeds of death are inside of us. And this passage really proves and highlights the doctrine of original sin. We could define original sin as this. Every human being is guilty of sin as a direct result of Adam's sin in the Garden of Eden. Just simple, straightforward, but that's the truth. And if you enjoy, I would just say this, if you enjoy studying doctrine like this, theological concepts like this that are clearly laid out in the Bible. Really, we're just scratching the surface on this today, but uh, Matthew McCormick starting a group um, that's going to be starting in a couple weeks. It's going to start here on campus on Sundays at nine o'clock before service. So you could jump into that. You could dive a little bit deeper into some of these, these doctrines and some of these, these truths. If you're interested in that, I encourage you to sign up for that today. It'd be, be great. It'd enrich your walk with God, give you a deeper understanding of some of these challenging topics. And not only this topic, but angels and demons, um, heaven, hell, like all, all those topics will be addressed. Um, it'd be great. 
Two closing thoughts. I got two closing thoughts. Um, the Bible talks a lot about this, not only here in Romans chapter five, but also in First Corinthians chapter fifteen. And I want to just close with this verse and draw two conclusions. First Corinthians fifteen twenty two says this: For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all shall be made alive. Once again, drawing two different distinctions, two different reigns, two two different two different men who made two different choices. One man, the reign of Adam, ushered in sin and death. And some people are in Adam, the Bible would say. If you're not in Adam, the only other option is that you're in Christ. The reign of Adam is a reign of, 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 of slavery to sin. The reign of Christ, Paul's going to say, then you live as, as a slave of righteousness under God's reign where there's peace and joy and love and freedom. One's confining, one's liberating. And Paul's drawing those two distinctions for us. So the first closing thought is this. The reality is everyone dies because everyone sins. Everyone has sinned. Therefore, everyone died. And so pretty straightforward, but it's the reality of where death comes from. You'll die. I'll die. Not because we're a part of the circle of life, but because of the consequences of sin. The Bible would say this in Hebrews chapter 9, 27, that it's appointed once for a man to die, after that, the judgment. The proof that everyone has a sin problem is found in the fact that everyone, everyone dies. So the question, a better question, is what do we do with our sin problem? What do we do with that? I think we all acknowledge we've fallen short. I think we've all acknowledged like, hey, I've blown it. Okay, now what? So what do we do with that? I would say two options. Uh, the first option is do nothing. And that's a real option. And that's a real option that a lot of people take. You can do nothing, but it's my job to warn you that not only is physical death a reality, spiritual death's a reality, and eternal death's a reality. And it's my job just to warn you that that will be your future unless you do something about your sin problem. Because it's corrupted not only our humanity, not only our world, it corrupts every aspect of our life. And so a lot of people say, hey, man, I don't want anyone else calling the shots. I'm my own boss. I'm going to do my own thing. And that's your choice. But let me suggest another option. Second point, the remedy is faith in the Savior, Jesus Christ. You can experience a new reign, a new kingdom, not marked by sin and death, but marked by life and peace. Here's what Paul, here's where we're going next week. Paul's going to write this. Romans 5, 15 through 16 says this. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. Therefore, drawing a distinction again. Here's what happened with Adam. Here's what's happened with, with, with God's gift. For the sin of one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation. Here's the contrast. But God's free gift leads to being made right with God, even though we're guilty of many sins. You say, well, how do I take hold of that? Well, I would suggest a couple of things. One, it's recognizing that you've sinned, recognizing that you've blown it. Not only did the seeds of death sit in you because of Adam and Eve, but, but by your own volition, by our own choices, we've willfully Seen the target, pointed at a different target. Know what God wants, I'm choosing to do my own thing. 
And the result of that is, is death. Paul would write this earlier in Romans that the, the wages of sin is death. The result of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So it's acknowledging we've sinned, but it's also acknowledging what Jesus has done. That on the cross, he didn't deserve it. Like Jesus lived a perfect life, but he died a brutal death. And why did he do it? Because your sin required it. My sin mandated it. And on the cross, he pays the penalty that you owe, that I owe. And when you believe that, it changes things. Not only does it change your position and your posture with God, but it changes the way we live our life because we're just so grateful. God, you've done it all for me. What do you, whatever you want, God, it's yours. Not only believe that he paid for your sins on the cross, but believe he rose again and defeated death, held in the grave. And when you take that by faith, you also experience that victory. We sang earlier, I'm going to see a victory. Our ultimate victory is over, over death. Paul would write this, where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. But the gift of God, the victory, comes through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That can be yours today. You take hold of it by faith. You take hold of it by talking to God, confessing your sins, acknowledging your belief in the cross, acknowledging your belief in the resurrection, and saying, God, whatever you want from me, here I am. Here's my life. If you want to begin a relationship with Jesus today, you can do that. Simply invite you to talk to God, your own words. But it'd be my joy to pray for you and, and maybe lead you there. So would you bow your heads, close your eyes. Let's pray. Talk to God.